And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined by Mr. Dan Goldsmith, the CEO of Tendo. We're going to talk about their company, which is helping revolutionize the patient experience in healthcare. And big congrats to them to being one of the top 12 startups from Philadelphia, at least on our list anyways. I don't know if it's the official list, but but congrats, Dan, on making it on the list. And in our show notes, there's a link to all the other companies in Philadelphia if you want to check out the whole series about the top startups in Philadelphia on the podcast. Um, quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Dan, welcome to the show, man. Matt, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you today. You know, we're really honored to make the, the top 12 list in Philadelphia and uh, excited to share more about our experience at Tendo and my experience as an entrepreneur. So good to be here. Well, so before we get started about Tendo, you, you mentioned before we, we pressed record that you've, sounds like you've had some other startups in the past, been an entrepreneur, done a lot of different things. And so I, I guess to start, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of kind of how you got here today. Yeah, thanks. So so I really spent the last 25 plus years helping companies go from startup to scale. Um, in the early days of my career, I, I did a lot of management consulting in large companies and then um, helped to grow companies, mainly software companies, uh, vertically focused companies, uh, companies like Viva Systems. I was part of the original team there growing the company to, uh, you know, we're, we're today about a 40 to $50 billion market cap uh, software company, um, you know, was the CEO of uh, Instructure Makers of Canvas, which many of you may recognize from the okay. education space as the leading uh, LMS and revolutionizing uh, education. And now at Tendo, um, uh, driving transformation in, in healthcare at scale with a focus on patients. But, uh, you know, alongside from that, I've, I've worked on uh, investing in and advising in and being a board member for for lots of different companies. Um, you know, so I guess I could say I'm a serial entrepreneur, but I guess I'm, I'm maybe a, a uh, someone who's more uh, focused on, on helping entrepreneurs navigate uh, the business world and learning from my mistakes that I've made over the years. Well, and that's the hard part about, about being an entrepreneur, right? Is we we don't know what we don't know, and you know, having seasoned, experienced people like like yourself being able to come in and and help take the company from one stage to the next, a lot of times is is the key. You know, I've I've worked with around many companies. They get to a certain level, and you know, the current CEO like, hey, I was great until we got to X number of employees. Now it's too complicated. I need help running the business, and I don't like dealing with all these things or whatever. And, and and that's okay. That's okay, right? It just takes different people and different personalities at different levels. So we need we need guys like you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like I think there's an element. You know, you hit the nail on the head. Like we don't know, what we don't know, and it's really hard to see around corners. You know, we're going to see around the corners, looking at these crystal balls. How how do we know that the decisions we're making today are going to be scalable? Are going to help us be successful uh, down the road? And and 
you know, what do they mean? I, I think that's where yeah, you get people like you and me, you know, grizzled experienced entrepreneurs that maybe can share some of that experience and some of that, that, that pattern uh, recognition, which is, which is really important. But, um, but yeah, I think for all those entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs or new founders out there, um, you know, finding people who can give you good advice and people you trust you can good advice is, is super important. People have been that been done there before, especially in this economic time, by the way, I'm sure, you know, you're talking a lot about yeah. what this economy means to, to startups, which, you know, I, I, I can talk about at least my opinions, but, um, I think more than ever, it's important for, um, early stage companies and entrepreneurs to understand the decisions they're making today and the implications downstream. So tell me a little more about Tendo. looks like the company is only a couple of years old. Were you one of the, the founders or? So, so yeah, let's talk about Tendo. So we're super excited about Tendo. We started Tendo about uh, two years ago and, um, uh, I was there at the beginning of the company. Actually, my sister, Jen Goldsmith, we've been working together for the better part of 25 years. Um, when you work with family, it either works really well or it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, fought like cats and dogs growing up. But, you know, we figured out, you know, you, you um, there's no one you trust more than sort of your family. And you never want to let each other down. And so, um, you know, Jen and I were at, there at the beginning of the company. Um, but we actually don't refer to ourselves as founders. Like what I found out you know throughout time is that sort of the best most largest impactful things are, are always due to uh, teams of people and diverse thinking and experiences coming together so at tendo we talk about the founding team and so let me give you a little of the origin story of tendo you know we we uh you know i spent my career in in, in, in industries like life sciences and education and, and things that are complex many times risk adverse large scale regulated um and so after leaving my last company in structure decided that I want to continue to operate and this time focus on healthcare, you know, healthcare seemed like there were some obvious things that needed to be addressed. Healthcare hasn't experienced the digital transformation like many other uh, industries. And especially when it comes to the patient, um, you know, we, we, I always talk about, um, you know, in other areas of my life, I can do a lot at the click of a button. So for example, I can see my entire financial health at a click of a button. I can't do that for my personal health. And that's a problem. These are, these are fixable problems, um, but they take focus and they take effort and they take the right, you know, people uh, uh, coming together. So what we did at Tendo is we brought together what we call a founding team to start looking at this problem. Uh, there's a saying that I have, especially in, in, in the startup world is, um, if your gut says no, trust your gut. If your gut says yes, do your homework. And so our gut told like us that. that there was something yeah, super important. And by the way, you can apply that to hiring. You can apply that to business decisions, partnerships, all sorts of things. Um, maybe marriages, especially marriages. I don't know. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a different podcast, right? I, um, I've known my wife for 30 years, by the way. So we're, we're doing all right. Um, so, so anyways, you know, we, we knew that we want to do something. We knew there was an opportunity there to improve the condition for patients and clinicians and caregivers in healthcare. But we wanted to study deeply what that is and why why technology and digital hasn't sort of impacted or affected healthcare in the way that we've seen other industries. So we spent about a year on a listening tour. We talked as, to as many healthcare executives, physicians, patients as we could, and it, it really formed our perspective on what could be done that would make make meaningful uh, industry level transformation in healthcare. And it boiled down to a couple of fundamental things. One is you know, the patient experience is not, you know, adequate today, right? It's too fragmented. There's too many point solutions. There's too much complexity. And patients are left to be the general contractors and managers of their own health, but not given the tools to do so. Um, clinicians, we hear about clinician burnout all the time. Doctors are spending too much time um, 
you know, doing administration and frankly, in front of screens, not in front of patients. And how do we sort of alleviate that burden and, and complexity so they can do the, the, the work that they, they chose to and, you know, helping to improve people up. And then caregivers is an important part of our equation. We recognize that caregivers, you know, so many people in, in this country, in this world, um, identify as caregivers, whether you're, you're, uh, you know, a parent or frankly, a child of, of, of an elderly parent or a sibling or whatever it may be. We all feel, we almost all of us as adults, at least feel like we're caregivers in some way, but caregivers are super removed from the, the care journey of their loved ones. So we recognize this and said, there has to be sort of a new center of gravity. There has to be a platform, there has to really be a technical capability that can provide that meaningful and trusted connection between patients, clinicians, and caregivers. So it took us about a year to shape that strategy. And so, you know, we really started the company in earnest about a year and a half, uh, two years ago. Um, and after that market validation, we've been focused on hiring an amazing team, um, building an incredible platform and product, and then, you know, being really selective in the amazing healthcare organizations we work with as what I'll call foundational customers. And we should talk about that in a little bit because it's a very different commercial model um, to help us uh, um, build the products and scale the business. So that that's really where we're with Tendo. And then, um, you know, we, we have um, born in the pandemic. So we have employees in 22 to different states right now, uh, uh, sort of best athletes in many ways. Uh, these are people, uh, we have concentrations in Salt Lake City and San Francisco and Philadelphia. And then these are people who built some of the most amazing companies on this planet. They got a Workday, Salesforce.com, uh, Instructure, Viva, and others. So, you know, it's a little bit of a homecoming for me too, bringing the band back together. Yeah. So you guys are fully remote. Like, do you have an office anywhere? Well, we just opened offices uh, in our in our hub cities, and uh, and um, um, but it's been interesting figuring out that hybrid work environment. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are thinking about like, what do we do? Like, um, you know, I think during during COVID, you know, uh, working remotely and virtual was I, I don't want to say in vogue, but it was sort of it was sort of forced upon us. Um, and you know, I'll call the 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 all virtual company creation and working environment maybe. A, uh, I'll give us a passing grade on, on the virtual working experiment. But what we found is there's a lot of efficiencies that we've gained through this period of figuring out how to work virtually and through uh, uh, video interactions. But we're very organized and methodical in how we bring our teams together. So we feel like we struck the best balance of a hybrid working culture where, you know, we'll never be a office-based culture where people are coming into the office on a regular basis. No one's required to do that. Uh, so it's more a matter of being deliberate around how we bring teams together to do work and collaborate in front of the whiteboard and, and get things done. And so we bring the company together annually all together. We have quarterly meetings for our product and engineering teams. And then we have some teams uh, like our, our services or sales teams that are naturally more nomadic and we want them you know, spread out um, more in location. And then a lot yeah. of things we do is virtual. So from where you guys are today to where the company started from the original idea, is it the same or, or did it kind of change from where you guys first started a couple of years ago? So the mission and vision is the same, you know, how we're getting there and sort of the pace at which we get there and, and, um, and what we focus on as a priority continues to iterate, you know, we'll call ourselves a learning company and you know, we iterate and, and, um, you know, there's a philosophy that we had in, in my previous companies and we applied here to Tendo as well. We want a healthy mix of delivering capabilities that the industry needs and, and desires um, mixed with a healthy percentage of capabilities that are going to where the puck is, you know, uh, skating to where the puck is going to be. 
And so that means we're constantly trying to drive that innovation and just say, what are new ideas and new ways of doing things in healthcare? And it's a blend of those things. And so we're pursuing first and foremost, the patient care journey and in application and technology solution to facilitate patients navigating healthcare, whether they're seeking care, scheduling in care, engaging in care, or following up in care, they can do that in a ubiquitous way across uh, providers. So that's the mission we're on. And then we're, um, I think most importantly, we, we've taken this foundational customer uh, approach. So um, can I explain that for a minute? That, that, uh, well, so I, I, yeah. I mean, so my, my next question might be related is, is like, so who is the customer and the user? So is it the insurance company? Is it the hospital? Is it an individual clinic? Like where, where does this like yeah. journey of this kind of start? So glad you asked. So um, our primary customer is the healthcare provider. If you're talking about the buyer, our primary so actual, sir, like clinician, like my primary care doctor. This is like your your hospital system, which we could include. Okay. You know, over fifty percent of primary care is practiced out of healthcare systems today, right? So, so it could be uh, providers, large and small. Either it's okay. know, um, but mostly we're working with hospital systems as the buyer. The beneficiary and the stakeholder, primary stakeholder, is actually the patient, the caregiver, or the clinician. But we really want to anchor in and center around the patient. One of the unique things around industries like education, life sciences, and healthcare is it's a distributed stakeholder environment. So what that means is the 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 buyer stakeholder is not necessarily sort of the the user or the beneficiary, right? So we may you know sell to healthcare systems, but the patient is our focus and the patient is the ultimate beneficiary. And that, that creates a problem, by the way. There's a lot of technology companies that may say, hey, we got to appease the buyer and we got to focus on the buyer and do everything that they want to do. But that can sometimes send you on the wrong path. And so we try and keep a healthy balance of, the, of awareness of those different stakeholders, but always with the patient interest uh, at the center. And so that's how we've oriented our focus. And then, you know, um, payers are, are more in the future of our roadmap. We really want to make sure we get the 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 patient provider connection, uh, right. And working well before we go broader. So I've, so I've seen like my doctor has some kind of portal I log into and I can send them messages or I can view lab results. And so is this all similar to that sort of, of, of problem you're trying to solve? So it's, 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 uh, yes and no. So, there are pieces of what we do today in healthcare, but our expectations have been set really low. Um, you know, if you yeah, think it's about, really simple, <laughs> it's really, it's really simple and it's not connected. In other words, so, so, but if you think about it, the type of experiences we have in healthcare, um, we would never tolerate another, other, another industry. Let me give you an, exa an example. And again, I went to the doctor a couple months ago, um, visited a, doc uh, a doctor, uh, got through the being seen by the doctor and the doctor, you know, just like we've all experienced said, Hey, I'd like to see you in, in six weeks and walked out to the, the, the lobby area. I waited in line for someone at the front desk. When I got to the front desk, I said to the person, hey, the doctor wants to see me in six weeks. And they said, okay, let me look here. Let me look here. And they said, oh, six weeks would be July. They go, July is not loaded in our system yet. Uh, and I'm sitting there with my, my phone calendar about to you know, put an appointment on the calendar. They go, do you mind if we call you back in a couple of weeks when June is in our system and I can make an appointment for you? And she takes a post-it note and a pen and writes my name and number down. That's crazy. It's insane, right? So there's so many experiences. Everyone in healthcare has a story, has a story of how um, it's been complex to get care. It's been, you know, the anxiety has been high, the uncertainty 
uh, is there. And so when we start looking at the healthcare experience for patients, the fragmentation, the uncertainty is, is really difficult to deal with. The problem when you join Tendo is you start seeing all of those things and all of those problems. And so, you know, if you, if you want to turn a blind eye, you shouldn't join Tendo. Um, but we're looking to fix that. We're looking to make that patient experience uh, in Tendo as seamless as Amazon, as easy as OpenTable, and as, you know, comprehensive to handle the complexity as what we would have in other areas of our lives, navigating things like, you know, financial uh, dynamics and how we do banking or, or other elements. So that's what we're looking to do. So if I'm reading this right, am I reading this right? And this is like public information. I don't know if it's always accurate. Have you guys raised $69 million? We have. We raised $69 million. So, Which is um, insane in over a two-year period. So that, that's a lot of, lot of capital. Yeah, we actually, you know, if I talk about our capital journey, you know, um, I think doing your homework pays off, first of all, because, you know, if you, if you, you know, for all of the entrepreneurs out there that have done pitches, by the way, we've done zero investor pitches. Um, the, uh, for those of you who've done pitches, you know, it's not just about having a good idea. It's having a team that can execute and a plan to execute on and being really capital efficient and responsible. So when we talked about raising capital, um, we developed a plan. Uh, we developed an approach. We started with some bootstrapping. And then um, we met Haymont Tanasia from General Catalyst, who's one of the largest, you know, the largest VCs in healthcare. And then um, Bilal Zaberi from uh, Lux. And we realized that we all think alike and see a similar vision of opportunity for change in healthcare. And then it was very easy from there. Um, you know, they wanted to be part of what we were doing. Um, and they wanted to to underwrite sort of that that story and that long term ambition. So we've put seventy seventy million dollars on about seventy million dollars on the balance sheet. Our last raise was done in May of twenty one. Um, it was done at a five hundred fifty million dollar valuation. And so um, I'd like to say we're super super smart and predicted this economic downturn. But um, with that combined with our foundational customers, which I'm happy to talk about, um, we have a three year runway. We're one hundred and ten people. We're doing really well. We got a three-year runway. Um, if we win no more new customers, we still have a three-year runway. So we have a lot of upside. And that the most important thing around what we've done from a capital perspective is we wanted to make sure we can invest deeply in R&D and build something substantial and that's scalable and extensible. You know, there's no interest in being a small company or one-hit wonder. We want to build a company that's enduring, is making an impact, and is frankly a great place uh, to work. And so my job as a CEO is to make sure that we have the money to, to, to part of my job is to make sure we have the funding to realize that vision and putting the right governance in the company to protect that vision over, over a long period of time. Well, I want to take a second to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the full-scale platform to define your technical needs and see what developers are available or what developers are available to start your team today. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Well, the the part about that that um, impresses me so much is like so your guys' company was like a year or two years old max, and you've got a five hundred million dollar valuation. To me, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah, and I think look, I think there's look valuations are a little bit of a numerator denominator equation, right? When you look at the valuation, look at the, the, the money you're raising. And I think it, 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 you know, our, our investors look at Tendo, the market we're focused on, the approach we have in the team we're building, think that we could be a 30 to $40 billion company, right? Now, you know, no one's taking cash to the bank on that, on that sure. valuation at this time. There's a lot of work we need to do. But I think the most important thing for me about 
the capital and the valuation is it's it's fuel for the company to do what we need to do that is not highly dilutive. So it gives us a long runway and the ability to invest to get the best people focused on the right things to tackle hard problems, right? And frankly, you know, you've been through this, Matt. You know, when you go through the gauntlet of small fundraisers over and over again, you're more susceptible to economic fluctuations and sure. sort of the fundraising environment. And frankly, it can be really disruptive to the momentum of the business. You know, if, if, if teams of people are having to step aside and go out and fundraise and do things oh, yeah. um, often, it's, it's really hard. It's um, a full-time job in itself. That's right. Well, it, more, it more than anything, is. my, my uh, point is like, you guys must be so, uh, seeing some, you know, explosive growth, you know, over the first couple of years of the company, you know, so that's, that's, Huge kudos to you guys, you know, cap, capital raising aside, I mean, you guys, you guys must be seeing some major, you know, market adoption of your guys' products. So, well, we, well, so here, let me, let me bend your brain a little bit more. We're, we're not generally available yet, so we don't have a product fully in market. So wow. this, this equation will get to be more puzzling to you, right? Um, so when I talk about having um, an amazing team and amazing vision, um, People are underwriting that. But the other piece is this foundational customer piece. Let me explain that now that I've teased you okay. with it a couple of times. So the general approach we've taken, you know, I, I you know, I, you know, myself, my team, we're experienced people have, have built companies before. So I think there's just some credibility that helps with uh, our investor base and, and the market and market access. But we decided to do as a company um, um, is, is implement what we call this foundational customer program. And the, and the basic philosophy is this, or a basic approach is this. Many tech companies will start by building a small product and trying to get lots of customers because that's how you get revenue flowing. That's how you get out of this, this frequent fundraise. That's how you create stability for the company. What we said is we're going to have a really ambitious vision. We're going to invest deeply in R&D and we're going to select you know, two or three or four healthcare systems to work with exclusively during the early days of the company. And they will be our proving grounds and evangelists. They pay us money. So they're, they're, they're sort of you know, subscribed over the long term uh, to Tendo and benefit from being able to influence our product roadmap. Not own it, but influence and help prioritize. Yeah. So we're working with amazing organizations like Health First down in Florida, which is an incredible integrated delivery network for healthcare, doing incredible things around patient experience there. And uh, another one is, is, is Rush in Chicago, you know, working with you know, Omar Latif, who's the CEO there and team to, to reinvent uh, the patient experience and introduce new analytics into healthcare as well. And so working with those organizations gives us focus. It also means that 85 to 90% of our investments and our capital is going to R&D. So we're not having to spend lots of money on customer success and go to market. We can be super uh, targeted. And so with us being able to generate early stage a fairly largeable scale in revenue, have a good capital base, and have customers that are those what I call proving grounds and evangelists, it significantly de-risks the business. And so that's how we've set ourselves up for success. I mean, I'd love to work at a company that had like a massive budget for R&D like that, that. That's a dream job for me. We Let's go build some cool engineers. products. Yeah, we got we lots of pretty, money. Let's go. That's, we owe some pretty incredible engineers. So it's, uh, it's, that's where we're making our investments. You know, really great yeah. engineers, UI, UX, and product people. Absolutely. So where where are you guys at in the in the phase of this? So do you you have those two or three you know kind of early early customers you're working very closely with? Do you guys have like a a goal for like general availability or kind of the next yeah. step of this? Or yeah, so what we're doing is we're moving out of the foundational customer phase now, which means we started deploying product in production. 
So we're putting the product in the hands of patients and getting a really good response in, uh, in what we're doing at, at our foundational customers. And then we're moving into what we call our early customer phase. So we're still going to be somewhat selective in the customers we choose to work with because, you know, customer success in this, in this business is everything, right? Your reputation is everything. And so what we want to do is we want to be moving to reference selling as soon as possible. You know, if we have case studies, proof of value and customers that can, can speak on our behalf around the benefits that we've been able to deliver, that's the most valuable thing that we can get to, right? And it keeps us grounded as well. So we'll move into early customer phase. We're moving into that now. Over the next 12 to 18 months, we'll bring on another five to 10 uh, healthcare systems and customers uh, to work with. And we're already in contracting with, with, uh, with a number of those. Um, and then past that period of time, we'll move fully into GA and our first product or two. Um, and we have a new e-stream of other, other products and ideas we'll work on as well, um, built on top of our platform. Um, but that's, that's how we're, we're working on our, our expansion and go to market. Um, by the way, if you want to have some fun, I call it that the velvet rope approach. So, you know, we talk to a lot of customers, we tell them we're doing, they get really excited. Um, we let two or three in the club when we're sort of setting things up and building it, but, you know, we're keeping engaged with a whole host of other healthcare systems and, and potential customers and they help inform what we're doing too, but they get excited about the vision and, and, um, you know, that's how transformation happens. You know, it doesn't happen in a big bag moment. It happens incrementally over time as people build trust and, and, uh, and, and proof of value. So that's our approach. Well, I, I can't wait for you to see how excited they are when you tell them you're one of the top 12 startups from Philadelphia on the Startup Hustle hey, podcast. You like, know, it's, that's got to help you get three or four of these big medical groups like that feather in your cap. That's going to be the thing. It, you know, well, you know what? It's interesting. The, the, uh, those things do help. Like, honestly, you know, when, when, when you get recognition, um, you know, especially in like healthcare, you know, this is a risk adverse industry, man. I, and, and rightfully so, you know, I mean, there's, there's not as many industries where you're literally talking about life and death stuff, right? Yeah. I, don't, I couldn't be a doctor. I don't know about you, but like, you know, if I have a bad day or, or, you know, I, I, I miss a calculation, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe you spend an extra $10 here or there. Maybe there's a bug in the code or whatever, but I couldn't be a doctor. Man. I have so much respect for, uh, you know, clinicians and healthcare workers and what they do. That's, that's life and death stuff. So, so anyways, and, you know, in this risk inverse environment, they want to work with organizations like Tendo who are very steady hand on the rudder, very responsible what we're doing. And they can really count on Tendo as an organization, um, uh, being respectful, being humble, and 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 working in line alignment with their culture and values, and caring about what they care about, taking care care of people's lives. So, so um, yeah, recognition like being on the top twelve does help. Well, so so glad you were able to join us today for that. And so, what what do you guys see as your your kind of biggest challenges at this point, kind of in the phase phase that you're at? Yeah, so so I'll give you two challenge, uh, maybe three challenges, right? One of them, the first one I'll give you is more of an existential uh, challenge given the environment, right? We're all talking about the economy and fluctuations in the economy. Um, you know, that is no uh, no less impactful. You know, in, in healthcare, it's one of the most impactful areas where the economy is impacting things. You know, there's there's only certain um, um, prices you can try. There's fixed pricing in healthcare in many ways, but inflation is impacting the cost of goods and, you know, salary and wages are going up. So, you know, healthcare right now is in a bind. I think um, one of the uh, um, um, uh, consulting or strategy agencies said like over 50% of healthcare companies are going to be running at negative margins uh, this year. And, 
you know, if you average them out, you're at like maybe a, a half a percent or one percent margin. So this is this is an industry that is under a lot of economic stress right now. So challenge number one is making sure that that we do not take lightly the the ability to quantify our value proposition. So uh, patient experience, everyone recognizes we need a better patient experience. Everyone recognizes we need a better patient experience, but correlating the improvements of, of patient experience to economic value um, and sustainability to healthcare uh, organizations is not an easy thing to do. So that, that's one of our challenges. Um, and that's an environmental challenge. Um, internally, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but a priority for us has been building a good team and having amazing people who can be entrepreneurial and be visionary, right? We're not trying to be a me too company. Um, and, you know, one of the challenges for us, if, if we lose the ability to challenge the status quo and sort of poke at things, then we won't, we won't realize the vision we have. We won't make progress as a company. And that's a hard thing to do. So I think part of the challenge is continuing to have that edge of, of innovation while still being respectful to, the health organizations, you know, and the industry that we're partnering with. So those are the two primary things. Um, you know, I, I think that the third thing for us in terms of, of, of challenging is just making sure we're paced and thoughtful in what we do and we prioritize customer success, right? Um, if we have successful customers, then we will have commercial success. Um, something your, your listeners might want to be interested in is like I've thought about, I've seen a lot of companies I truly believe a company that starts with a mission at its core, and we think of ourselves as a mission-oriented company, improving people's lives. Um, if you start with a mission at your core, I believe you can be financially successful. I think the opposite is not necessarily true. It's very hard to do. If you start a company with a financial goal at its core, it's much harder to be mission successful. So for all of you that are out there that think about um, uh, being mission-driven and being purpose-driven, really embed that in the core of the company you are. It'll change who you hire, how you hire, how you think about building things and what your ambitions are. And so that entrepreneurial spirit, especially applied in industries like healthcare, you know, is, is a little bit of a different flavor than I think some other industries. That's fantastic advice. I love that. You you mentioned earlier that margins are a huge problem for these healthcare uh, providers, healthcare systems. So is your guys' software something that can help with that, can help them increase revenue or help them save costs in various ways? I mean, are, are you part of the solution there to help them? Uh, we are. Yeah, uh, we can be. Um, you know, there's a challenge, there's a challenge, especially in healthcare, but I think any industry where um, change presents risk. And we're at a, a situation in healthcare where change is inevitable. Because, you know, if you stand still in healthcare, costs will continue to increase, innovation will continue to happen. And there's disintermediation occurring right now with the traditional sort of AMC or healthcare. Uh, system. So with Tendo, we can help bend that cost curve and change the economics of healthcare. You know, things like reducing no-shows. I, I, there, I don't know if you know this, but um, on average, sort of patients don't show up to their appointments, even complex things like surgery, you know, on average, like 20% of the time, right? Well, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, here's the bizarre thing about healthcare. If I schedule, a, I don't know, $100,000 procedure and I don't show up, I don't have to pay for that thing. If I book a movie ticket at the local movie theater and I don't show up, I'm still I'm still out twelve bucks. Yeah. Right. So so the economic equation is very different in healthcare, but uh, with Tendo and the work we're doing, um, we can help reduce things like no shows. We can make sure patients are better prepared for their appointments. We can do better matching of patients to clinicians. Um, we can better optimize sort of scheduling and load balancing. So you're 
applying the right resources to the right problems, you know, we can we can help prevent readmissions of patients, which become very costly for hospitals. And then when you look at hospitals and hospital systems that are working on value-based or at-risk contract, where they're basically saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of Dan Goldsmith and 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 you know cover his costs at a, at a certain sort of fixed price, if you will. How do we help to make sure you have the right outcomes to take care of Dan Goldsmith proactively? So helping um, hospitals organize and engage with patients and make sure patients are sort of curating their, their care and following through with therapy. Um, there's a lot of dollars in that. There's a lot of reduction of cost, but there's a lot of expansion uh, in, in, in revenue margins as well. So you, you mentioned earlier, you know, hiring talent's been a big focus for you guys for the last couple of years. So have you guys poached a lot of people from Cerner and Epic and those, those types of, of companies? So I'm in Kansas city, so we're home to Cerner, yeah. right? Like Cerner is such a big, you know, a uh, big company here. It's like everybody knows somebody who works at Cerner, you know, there's like a couple degrees of separation there. So I would imagine so, there's, there's a lot of talent in Kansas city for you, I'm sure. So there is, so there is, but you know, what's we haven't actually poached a lot of people from, from Cerner or Epic uh, or, or others. Um, we have a number of people on the team that maybe have worked for those companies in the past at some stage or another, but we actually have very good relationships with Epic and Cerner and Athena and, and all scripts. And so, you know, whereas, you know, EMR's role is really about the clinical workflow and clinical documentation and revenue cycle management, you know, where we focus on this, this deep, you know, horizontal, what we call horizontal and vertical. So, you know, very, um, the end-to-end patient experience as well as deep experience, whether you're going through a cancer journey or, or an orthopedic journey, whatever it may be, we really cover the patient side of that in a very proactive end-to-end uh, deep way. So, you know, we work really hand in, in glove with the EMR, um, and there's an important, you know, connection there between that patient experience and then sort of the clinical workflow and what they do within the EMR. So it's been important to bring some of the skills in our team that come from Epic or Cerner or that EMR and healthcare world. Um, we've we've hired some awesome people uh, from there, but generally we have a very good partner relationship. So um, we probably don't want to be poaching too many people from those, sure. those companies. Yeah. Yeah, I actually one of the first jobs I ever had, it was the second second job I had as a software developer was uh built a laboratory information system. Oh, and cool. so yeah. yeah, so it was it was it was pretty cool. It was it was interesting, you know, learning about all these blood tests and pathology and all this stuff. And of course at that time I'm like twenty years old, twenty I never even had my blood drawn for anything, probably. <laughs> Didn't know what any of that stuff was, you know. Yeah. And uh so it was it was cool to learn about and built a you know, build a whole system from, you know, bringing in, um, lab, uh, lab test tubes and stuff and printing barcodes and, you know, dealing with the instruments and producing reports and all this stuff. And it was fascinating. So, uh, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun, uh, space to, to work in. And there's a lot of people in, uh, the Kansas city area that work in, um, healthcare or software. So, you know, and, and it's interesting. So if we talk about vertical SaaS for a second, right, you know, um, one of the previous companies I was with and helped scale Viva systems, you know, we're now a, a 40 billion ish dollar company, right? Sort of the grandfather of vertical SaaS. You know, I talk a lot about what vertical SaaS is and what it means and what it takes to be a successful vertical SaaS company. Um, one of the primary things is you need a, you need to have a good blend of what I'll call like Silicon Valley DNA with industry expertise, right? Yeah. And so Attendo, actually, our hiring strategy has been combining that, you know, people from these amazing uh, technology companies that have seen seen scale and seen managing complexity with that industry expertise. 
So for example, our head of engineering was one of the first 100 employees at Workday and over a 16 year period helped to build many of their, their platforms and solutions over that time, you know, really incredible individual. And then um, our head of informatics is one of the leading, you know, analytics and informatics, you know, um, healthcare people in the country, Dr. Balahota and, and, you know, was, it was a, uh, a leader during the pandemic and has helped at national scale sort of think differently about healthcare data and information and, and processes as well. And so, Matt, it's really exciting when you bring together, you know, and, and this is interesting for companies too. If you want to generate new and interesting ideas, be deliberate around bringing people together with different backgrounds and experiences and pattern recognition. And so if you create a culture that encourages that and can tap into that in a productive way, you end up coming with, up with some really interesting uh, solutions. And I think that's embedded in, in the core of who we are at Tendo as well. It's sort of that, that, constructive discourse that happens as we design products and bring them to market. Well, that's the key to diversity of, of background in business, right? It's having people that have the playbook of doing these things before or working at places that have seen things done the right way before and done the wrong way before, right? That can come in and, and bring that playbook. It's like, I know exactly what we need to do and how to do this. Not like all on the job training of like, eh, we've never done this before. We're just going to sort of figure it out. It's like having the experienced people makes a big difference. You have to do that. And, and, but you, you want people who have that experience, but also are really good at listening and collaborating, right? I know for me as a CEO yeah. and founder, one of, one of the things that is important to me, um, and people have different styles, right? I'm not a cult of personality person. Like I don't like being in bright lights or on stage and everything else. Again, I think the best things happen due to a team of, of smart people coming together. And so you know, I think for all you, you know, CEOs and founders out there, one of the first and foremost things you need to focus on is hiring an amazing team. And so the litmus test that I use all the time is saying, hey, the people on my team, my management team should be better than me in every single way in their domain, right? If I'm better than our head of marketing or our head of sales or head of engineering or whatever, then I, I probably haven't hired the right person. You know, I have my own domain expertise here and there, but man, especially when you're, you're, a CEO or a president or a leader of the organization, number one thing you can do is, is to your point, hiring the right people on the team that have, have that pattern recognition yeah. and really know how to get things done. Well, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the show today, and a big thank you or big congrats again to being one of the top twelve um, startups from Philadelphia. And um, amazing what you guys are off to, all the capital you've raised, and be able to go and build out this big vision. And um, I really appreciated the the little antidote you had earlier about. Um, what was this about your gut? If if your gut says, if says your, no, your gut says, then it's... If your gut says no, trust your gut. If your gut says yes, do your homework. Yeah, I like that. I, I think I think that's a great a great takeaway from today's show. And um, do you have any other, uh, you know, final nuggets of, of advice for other entrepreneurs that are listening to the show today? Uh, yeah, I, I think the, uh, um, I think for other entrepreneurs, uh, the advice I would give uh, to everybody is, is as you pursue the vision of what you want to create, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of people tell you what you're doing is impossible or hard. You're going to kiss a lot of frogs, but I think persistence is necessary for entrepreneurs. And 
for me, you know, when I hit resistance, um, it's a motivator. Um, and so, you know, you're going to have as an, as an entrepreneur and founder, you're going to have good days and bad days, man. Don't quit on the bad days. There's a lot of bad days. That's one of my, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes ever is the Mike Tyson quote, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched they get in the punched face. In and, face. Yep. and, uh, I feel like as an entrepreneur, that's, you know, every week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely true. But, um, but you know, you have those, the, the thing for me, you know, I've worked in big companies like IBM and, 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 uh, startup company. I, the, the thing about startups that's so amazing as you know, it, Matt is, is you have such a tactile connection to the successes and the work that you do every day. And so you can just, you can feel that, that impact that you can make in, in all the work you're doing. And I think that's something that's important that you want to try to create a, I talk about creating a family room culture, one where people's voices are, are welcome and everybody's heard and you know how to have an argument every once in a while, but still love each other in the end. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as you're working things and you're creating a culture, uh, you know, you want to encourage, encourage that entrepreneurial, uh, spirit and passion and bring things to the table. And that, again, that discourse and that, that, uh, those arguments or whatever they are, they will ultimately result in better decisions and better outcomes that, um, in that culture, everyone can really feel attached to. And there's the rewards, right? So, well, thanks again for, for being on the show today. And again, everybody, this was, um, Dan Goldsmith, CEO of Tendo and, um, congrats again for being on the top startups list. And thanks for being on the show today. Matt, thanks so much. Glad to be here. All right. Thank you, guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.